When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, the residential zoned land tax closing date, 1st of January 2023. European Union ban on certain pesticides may be postponed. Results of the ICSA elections and a chagas reminder of some important tasks on the farm. But first, Dairy Gold, our sponsor, has maintained the November quoted milk price at 57.5 cents per litre based on standard constituents of 3.3% protein and 3.6% butterfat, inclusive of bonuses and VAT. This milk price equates to an average November farm gauge milk price of 75.5 cents per litre, based on average November milk solids achieved by Dairy Gold milk suppliers. The quoted milk price for November, based on EU standard constituents of 3.4% protein and 4.2% butterfat, is 62.7 cents per litre. A company spokesperson commented that, quote, while dairy markets have weakened in recent weeks due to an increase in global milk supply and a reduction in demand driven by high prices, the Dairy Gold Board has agreed to maintain the current milk price for November milk supply. The Dairy Gold Board will continue to monitor markets closely and review milk price on a month-by-month basis. That was Dairy Gold maintaining the November quoted milk price at 57.5 cents per litre based on standard constituents of 3.3% protein and 3.6% butterfat, inclusive of bonuses and VAT. The two candidates for the ICSA president, Mr Dermot Keller and Mr Sean McNamara, have agreed to a power-sharing agreement for the leadership of the ICSA for the next two years following a tie at the recent ICSA presidential election. It's been agreed that Dermot Kelleher will remain in situ as president for 2023 and Sean McNamara will take up the office of president for 2024. Mr McNamara will also assume a position on ICSA Management Committee in the new year. The two candidates agreed to work together in the best interests of farmers and the ICSA, the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association. And they've met with Minister McConnell to discuss the food vision strategy and other issues.
The President of the ICMSA, Mr Pat McCormack, has repeated his call for both the Minister for Housing, Local Government and Heritage and the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine to recognise reality and postpone the nitrates cow banding proposal for 2023. Mr McCormack said, with just a fortnight to go, it was absolutely plain that neither department or farmers were remotely prepared to implement the new regime in 2023 and that pushing ahead with plans must and will result in utter chaos. Next, an update on Cork East ploughing. Mr Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Philip, welcome to the programme. Now, I understand you have an update on the ploughing situation. Thanks very much, John. That's correct. Um, unfortunately, we didn't run last Sunday because of weather conditions, as we had kind of predicted might happen. But as of now... There will be no competition until after Christmas, and Bathlemy are due, or they're hoping to go between Christmas and the New Year, or the early New Year. And we just have two matches to go. Bathlemy and Watergrass Hill will we'll keep an update on both of those, but Bathlemy are hoping to get going fairly soon after Christmas, maybe the 1st of November, if not, maybe the 8th. We have no date fixed, John, but early in the New Year, if it's possible. So that's about set up at the moment. We can't predict too much and the weather hasn't softened out an awful lot since I spoke to you last, so we're just hoping and waiting. But in the meantime, I would just like to say a special thanks to you and your team as 103, John, for being so supportive of our events during the year. And we thank you and we appreciate the slot given to us because we're all in the farming game indirectly. And uh, it's nice to get uh, contact and to keep contact with the people out there, competitors and spectators or whatever. And we look forward to being in contact again early in the new year. And until then, we'd like to wish you all a very happy and peaceful and joyful Christmas and a joyful new year. You're more than welcome, Philip, and thank you, Philip, and all the people in the Cork East Ploughing Association and the Ploughing Fraternity in general for giving us information and updates on ploughing in the two counties of Cork, Cork East and Cork West. So, Philip, looking forward to speaking to you in the new year, or after Christmas anyway. We'll be talking after Christmas. And in the meantime, have a very happy and healthy Christmas. On Tuesday, December 13th, Senator Tim Lombard Finnegale highlighted the need for a second veterinary school of medicine in the Republic. In particular, he believed this second school should be established in Cork rather than elsewhere in the country, bearing in mind the huge role of agriculture in the economy of the southern part of the country, in particular in the Cork region. Minister, welcome to the Chamber. Uh, great to have you here. Minister, my committee this morning is about the potential and capacity within the veterinary sector itself. We have one veterinary school in the state, I think, literally going on over. 100 years, UCD have done a phenomenal job. But it's about building capacity in the sector is what I'm trying to debate here today. We have a veterinary industry that has serviced society very, very competently over the last uh, 100 years. But the need for us to change our approach about how many vets we have in our state now needs to be looked at. Our industry has totally changed. The agriculture industry now is the world performer when it comes to veterinary husbandry, how it operates. We also have a huge small practice element to it now, which wasn't there traditionally. And unfortunately, our vets are getting older. The age demographic of our veterinary population has changed quite significantly the last 20 years. And we need to, in many ways, change our approach and try to get vets into the actual system itself. 
Um, as you're probably aware, Minister, last year there was 32 VEX um, places um, allocated. Um, the CEO application form, which was sent out, I think there was the application was 601 points was required to actually get the course. Really significant threshold. And of that, like 601 points is a really significantly high threshold. And we had 581 people put it down in the CO form as their first place, which shows you the interest that's there at the moment. 581, so we had 500 disappointed applicants. So there is a significant interest out there within society, within, in particular, the younger people wanting to actually study veterinary. But the capacity within the sector for the actual place isn't there at the moment. And unfortunately, because of that lack of capacity, Minister, as you're very much aware, 70 students today are in first year in Poland doing veterinary. 30 students today are in Hungary doing first year. The figures for Scotland and England aren't there at the moment. But we have hundreds of students abroad doing this course. So the need for a second veterinary campus is required by that alone. And I think we need to, in many ways, stretch out and see how we can actually accommodate that actual potential in the actual sector itself. Because as a person involved in the Agricultural Committee and a person who's actively farming, every time a vet comes into the yard, they tell me the story about the lack of vets, the need for change, the need for more vets to go through. To think that Ireland as an entity itself is only putting forward 82 places in first year is a really significant barrier to how the industry will develop, but in particular how the small practices are going to develop. And the big worry that we have is that the large, vet, the large animal practices will really suffer because that's going to be the significant driver. They will go towards the small animal practices rather than the large animal practices. And that will have a huge knock-on effect on our credibility as being the premier food-producing nation in the world. So this is a really significant problem. And because of that, we need to move fast. And I realise there is potential within the system to have a secondary veterinary school. And I would mention, in Munster in particular, like Munster as where it is at the moment with the actual amount of bovines down there, the pig units, the horse units, we have so much potential down there, a counterbalance to what we have in the, in the UCD model. And I would actively state that we need to have, in particular, movement on this college. And I think UCC, which has great potential in this sector, should be considered. I realise UL is considered, is talking about it as well. But if you look at Cork alone, and the figures for Cork are quite frightening, you've nearly 13,500 farmers in Cork. 4,500 are dairy, you've pig units, you've poach units, but you've also the cluster of veterinary practices that could cater for the practical work that's required. And I think places like Riverview, Abbeville have all potential to be a part of this when it comes down to veterinary practices. So, Minister, we need movement. The sector needs movement. Without this flow of VEX, we will not have the, we will not reach our capabilities, and that's going to be a significant drawback for our society. Thank you, Senator Lambert. Uh, Minister, you have four minutes. Thank you, Akahirik. I want to thank Senator Lambert for raising um, this issue. The Department of Further and Higher Education, uh, and I'm taking this on behalf of Minister Harris, who's attending uh, Cabinet. The Department of Further and Higher Education um, Research, Innovation and Science does not place a quota on the number of places on veterinary medicine courses offered by higher education institutions. 
and as such, the number of places provided each year is determined by the institutions themselves in line with their capacity. With expressions of interest in developing new courses uh, in pharmacy and in veterinary from all four provinces. The HEA is currently reviewing applications with a view to moving to the second stage of the assessment process, which will involve the review of an expert panel. Panels may be comprised of representatives from the profession or the regulatory bodies, international experts, and representatives from the HEA, from the Department of Further and Higher Education, from the Department of Health, or the Department of Agriculture, as appropriate. Applications will be due by Monday, the 16th of January, 2023. Senator? I suppose my real worry here is that we're just going to expand the service. I think we have UCD at the moment in the middle of Dublin City providing veterinary courses for Ireland. I think if you look at the actual demographics of, and particularly the bovine population of cows, the majority of them are Munster. I think we need to really see that there's going to be a geographical spread of, of placements when it comes to veterinary colleges. I would be concerned if the department were looking just to expand. I think we need to look to the future and future-proof this model. I think we need a new campus with a new university just to give a little bit of diversity when it comes to the actual capabilities of those courses. We have small animals, we have large animal practices. We need to now have a real focus on where the food industry is going to be and how that's going to develop. So I would be very much of the view, Minister, that an expansion of a campus isn't the key here a new campus and that new campus needs to incorporate large animals as the key focus and if we can do that we will future proof our industry going forward this is a multi-billion euro industry we're talking about here that will not survive unless we have this line effects going forward and I think the new campus scenario needs to be top of the agenda I would be very very disappointed if we came back with an expansion thank you chair thank you very much Senator Lumber. Minister, you have a minute to reply. Thank you, Gerlach. Well, as I said, um, you know, there are expressions of interest from the four provinces in relation to providing new courses. And as you absolutely understand, uh, Senator, workforce planning requirements, there are significant practical elements and placement requirements as part of veterinary medicine programme provision, including appropriate laboratory facilities to ensure that they meet the necessary standards of the Veterinary Council of Ireland. And workforce planning requirements for the veterinary medicine sector require advice from and consultation with the Department of Agriculture and Food, and that consultation and advice uh, is underway. I think Minister Harris and Minister Collins are committed to, and they've made clear that planning for current and future public sector skill needs, including veterinary, is a priority for their department. The HEA process that is underway will inform further developments in respect to provision in this key skill area, and I'll ask the ministers to keep you informed of that process. Thank you very much, Minister Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Miss Katrina Morrissey, news editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Katrina, welcome to the programme. Now, the European Union seems to be backing away from a total outright ban on pesticide sprays. Now, you covered this in the Irish Farmers Journal this week, and so far as you have information. So what's the update on that regarding the European Union and pesticide sprays, which a lot of people thought would be totally banned? That's right, and I suppose the prospect of a total ban was our front page story less than two months ago because it would be such a drastic move um, for Ireland. Um, Ireland is a nitrate-vulnerable zone in its totality. So under the draft regulations, um, 
it would apply a complete pesticide ban to Ireland, which would obviously have a devastating effect for tillage farmers and livestock farmers and, and gardeners, it has to be said. Um, so Noel Barden was over in Brussels for us last week and um, he was speaking to a spokesperson for the Commissioner for Health and Food Safety, Stella Kirikadis. And they have said that they are likely, they are rolling back in scope on this because there has been so much of a clamour from member states um, about the prospect of a total ban. It, the, the spokesperson for the Commission said that it recognises that reducing pesticide use is complex and that will factor into food security. So I suppose they're kind of, they're recognising there that to go from the situation where we have now, which is a very regulated um, use of approved sprays and pesticides, um, to go from that to a total ban really would be very, very difficult. Um, the MEPs have pushed back on it, and in particular, it was the largest MEP grouping in the Parliament, which is the EPP. Uh, their chairperson, Manfred Weber, had said that you know the extent to which pesticides were regulated would be regulated under this drafting was just unacceptable. Um, and he was saying that self-sufficiency for food has to be the objective for Europe. Um, and that he really just very critical of this idea that we could go into a total ban regardless of the outcome as regards food production. So um, I think it's a move that will be welcomed by farmers. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how much will be rolled back on. Of course, uh, Katrina, we know that with the war in Ukraine, that's affected everything globally one way or another, in some cases more seriously than others, uh, even with the Russians um, banned from doing certain things. I understand that there's no ban on the Russians uh, supplying fertilizer. But as regards this uh, SUR, the Sustainable Use of Pesticides Regulation, which was proposed during the summer, now we can say that things like um, oilseed rape, OSR treatments, the neonicotinoids that uh, the general public worry about, the reports of bees being affected badly, glyphosate and round up all these things. So it would appear that the situation now is everything is more or less on hold and under review. That's right. And um, the European Commissioner for Agriculture, Janusz Wachowski, has called for an impact assessment. You know, I think quite sensibly saying that you can't decide to ban everything without doing an impact assessment of what would happen. And what I suspect, John, will happen is that there will be stricter controls on pesticides. And as you say, the neonicotinoids are of, of real concern. Um, but let's not forget, I suppose, at the end of the day, all of the pesticides that are in use are tightly regulated. They're approved for use by Europe. So um, I would foresee there, yes, being a tightening of the restrictions on pesticides, and it is a European ambition to reduce pesticide use very significantly by as much as 50%. Um, so I don't think the general move towards restrictions on pesticides is thrown out the window, but this notion that we could go from the current um, system and methods of production using pesticides to having nothing at all, I think that has gone out the window as well. And I suppose we could say, Katrina, one of the impacts of the war in the Ukraine is that people are realising now the value of slurry. They are realising the value of not putting on more sprays than is necessary and be very economical with these sprays. So that in itself 
hitting the farmer's pocket, there will be a kind of regulation there and a self-control on using minimum of these sprays, if only to try and enhance your bottom line and struggle on, stay on in farming somehow. And I think the interesting thing about the Ukraine war, which is an absolute atrocity, needless to say, um, but what it has done is, is kind of focus people's minds on food supply, which is not something we have had to worry about for decades. Um, and, you know, concern over food supply is the reason why the common agricultural policy was brought in in the first place, to ensure a, a regular supply of high-quality food for Europeans. Um, and that kind of had been, obviously, much less of a concern in recent years. But the Ukraine um, war, Russia invading the Ukraine, and that effect on, you know, the cereals, the fertilizer, all of these things has kind of brought it home to us that food supply is still very important, you know, and, and needs to be protected and it needs to be supported. That network needs to be kept going, whether that's within Ireland or within Europe or the global supply of food. So I think it, some farmers would see it as a positive that food production now has come back into focus the next cap, which is coming in from the 1st of January, has gone very, very much into reduction of intensity, reduction of food production, um, while at the same time the Russians invading Ukraine um, has you know, made policymakers, I suppose, sit up and think, well, actually, maybe we should be focused on the food side of things again. I suppose a number of uh, pennies dropping all at the one time and uh, mm. the sky dark with chickens coming home to roost and all these <laughs> things. But we, we aren't saying, for people who are environmentalists and non-farmers and people who are concerned with uh, water quality, we're not saying that the SUR proposal, Sustainable Use of Pesticides Regulation, is being thrown out the window. But on the other hand, farmers are being given an opportunity where necessary to wean themselves off what we would call excessive use of pesticides use the bare minimum that's necessary and a bit like the selective dry cow therapy we all know the common threat to all animals and ourselves with the antimicrobial resistance so in a way this is just a postponement and not to say that farmers will now be let loose but on pure economic grounds they'll be careful with the amount of pesticides they have to buy and use and in that way then I suppose we are simply saying to farmers you have a little bit of extra breathing space if you're a tillage person and feel you absolutely need some chemical or other at this point perhaps down the line you might need it but thank you very much for your valuable time Miss Katrina Morrissey News Editor Irish Farmers Journal thank you very much indeed Katrina thanks a million thanks John Coming up next in the programme, the Carberry Fortnightly Mockery Report from Laura Woods. My name is Laura and I'm bringing you the Carberry Mockery News. Barry Row Mockery would like to thank everyone who supported their truck and tractor run which took place on the 4th of December. All proceeds went to the Clonakilty Community Hospital and Marymount Hospice. Kilburton and Carberry Mockery would like to thank all the businesses who sponsored prizes for the raffle which took place during the Carberry Christmas party last Saturday night. Clonakilty Mocker have been keeping active by joining the park run in Clonakilty every Saturday morning. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's 9.30am and everyone is welcome to join them. Clonacil Mocha will also be spreading some Christmas cheer and positivity on Saturday the 17th of December when they will be doing a random acts of kindness. So be sure to keep an eye out for them in Clonacilty on Saturday as they will be giving away loads of nice things sponsored by local businesses. Bearer Mokra will be hosting a tractor, truck and car Christmas lights run on Sunday, December 18, starting at 3.30pm on Dillish Island. Entry is €15 Euro and all proceeds will go to the Keisha Hagerty Rehabilitation Fund. There will be a prize for the best decorated vehicle and a raffle on the day. On behalf of Carberry Mockra, I would like to thank everyone who has supported us over the last year and wish you all a happy Christmas. Thank you, Laura. Laura Woods, many happy returns and we wish you a very happy Christmas and a prosperous new year. Joining us on the farm programme, we have Mr Edmund Moakley, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagask Advisory, Sandfield Mallow in County Cork. First of all, Edmund, welcome to the programme. Now, very important, um, spring calving. People are planning their spring calving and, of course, herd management in general. So, spring calving and herd management. Hello, John. Well, yes, I just wanted to touch on a few things there for people who will have cows mostly dried off at this stage, or some people will be still drying off the last of the cows, let's say, that calving in the spring. I suppose just a few considerations for people, that, a few points that might help, um, some people in the dryer farms in particular might be tight on silage and I suppose just keep um, an eye on it, watch what's in the pit, maybe just take stock of it to carry themselves because like the thing is if they run into the end of January and cows start calving it can be a very difficult time to correct things so maybe taking stock of it now um, this period there might be family members and things at home to help out that they could um, start introducing other feeds or they might be able to get access to other feed let's say and travel, carry it when the time is um, tight. The other big one I suppose to watch at the moment is um, pre-calver minerals so those cows that will be calving in the spring just um, about four to six weeks out now or six weeks out from a lot of people calving on the 1st of February now is the time to be going in with your minerals um, fixed rate feeding is best I suppose look having enough head feeding that all the cows can get at the mineral is a big part of it uh, free choice supplementation so mineral buckets are not as reliable on intake because like some cows may not get at them and if you don't have enough and if there is a 
deficiency in the herd, let's say, you will see more cows, more dominant cows tend to spend more time at the buckets and cows, other cows then won't get access to it. Um, the feeding space is the big one. Spread out the minerals across the silage and do it at least twice a day if possible. Look, I know at the time of the year you'll be trying to get a break from things, but the more it's done, the more likelihood you have of every cow getting access to the minerals. Um, so I suppose the dry cow minerals in and what it should supply. So like it should supply 20 to 25 grams of magnesium to feed the cow's uh, magnesium requirement during the dry period. Uh, you've also calcium to consider, uh, phosphorus, sodium and magnesium. So like most of the good minerals, right? And one thing that was shown in Tagus earlier this year we did in some training was that the higher spec minerals, when you look at the overall cost of minerals across the herd, and the importance of them. The higher spec minerals, look, the simplest thing is they, they generally do exceed the requirements and they're not costing an awful lot more. So just be, be consider when you are buying minerals that you do have sufficient um, quantities of all the different uh, macro and trace elements in like copper, selenium, iodine, cobalt, manganese on top of the four major ones. Feed-wise, just the quality of it was another thing. Uh, some random results were thrown up in silage. Some people may be taking silage analysis now at this stage when the face is open and they can differentiate first cut from second cut. So look, know what the quality of feed is. Generally, look, smell is going to tell you a lot. The colour of the silage will tell you a lot. But if you have any concerns, just um, bring it to any one of the Tagus offices. Any one of ourselves will be able to give you an overview on it or any one of the other nutritionists that are out there. Now, Edmund, we might touch on a few things. Farmyard management, I know that's a whole science in itself, etc. But soils, water, slurry deadlines, uh, fertiliser deadlines, soil sampling for non-derogation next year, 23, and the less lower emissions slurry spreading. So just to touch on all of those and uh, just really to remind our listeners more than anything else. John, I suppose, yeah, look, we're in a period... um Derogation changes at the moment is a big elephant in the room in dairy farming at present and it'll affect other sectors as well. It'll affect the intensive beef operations and whatnot. But I suppose, look, just some farmyard management things at the moment. We had a period there at the start of the close period where colossal volumes of rain were falling, let's say. It was on a daily basis. And I suppose it was bringing a lot of water, if it's not managed properly, it can lead into tanks and things and soil water tanks and all would have been filled up. So... Just a few considerations on it for farmers as there is this. Like soil water, you can spread in the closed period. You can spread on fields that are suitable to do so and where the conditions are low. Other than that, it is against the law. It is breaking. It's from a from nitrates perspective. It's illegal and from a council perspective. So just to be aware of that. And just one other big point that some people may not be aware of that was in the new nitrate action plan is that soil water cannot be sprayed between the 21st and the 31st of December, regardless, for um, 2022. It's a longer period again in 23, but it's just a date for people to remember. So from the 21st of December until the 31st of December, that is written into law that the soil water cannot be spread. Uh, slurry deadlines, I suppose, just pushing it out. We're in for the 15th of January is the date that people can go back out with slurry. Um, once again, like that's in the right conditions, uh, in suitable fields, just to be aware of it, right? If people are getting tight in certain tanks, just to move the slurry, and I suppose good practice is to agitate up the tank before you move it, so this isn't just water you're moving, but you're moving water and solid material, so it'll be easier to get it out next spring. Um, the other thing I suppose that people need to be aware of for next year is that the fertilizer deadline has changed. So like chemical fertilizer, you can't go to the 29th of January next year, but... I suppose just touching on that, the people have 
if they don't have it in the hour, that they will have some of it because like we're going into the holiday period now and maybe the next week is the time to be organising to have it for next spring so that if the conditions do allow for the start of February, the end of January, that they can go out with it that is there in the yard. Finally, I suppose a few points that are coming in on the new nitrous action programme, which is coming into play from next year. So this will affect both derogation and non-derogation farmers alike. So what the big one is probably the bending of cows. And even though it's not fully signed off on how it's going to be done at the moment, there's a lot of talk around it. There was recently um, a conference the Farmer Journal held it there in Carnlanus. We have been doing it directly with all of our clients, well, trying to get to most of them, let's say, in advisory, but it's just, it's going to bring changes, and what it's going to basically do is it'll push up the nitrates loading of an individual dairy cow for individual herds, let's say, where they might have higher yielding cows. Some herds where they have very low production and might actually bring back the nitrogen loading. But for people that are landlocked and maybe on the smaller blocks, it can have big economic um, impacts as well, let's say, in that it potentially could have an effect on income and things and some people will be looking for reassurance on that. Um, Adrian O'Callaghan who works here in the Mellow office with me would have touched on it in the dairy conference recently like the best thing for people who are in that bracket who are concerned about how the bending may affect their income and things is maybe to talk to their advisor on it because in a lot of cases what we are seeing as advisors you are going to find that some farmers might have been buying inexpensive feed be it ration, be it bought in silage, zero grazing grass, maize, beet, to carry cows that mightn't be delivering the same level of output as the good cows in the herd. And that's a big thing, let's say, to bring back for, the, for farmers who would be very concerned about it. So look, we're going to be hitting that more and more in the new year, let's say, and just looking at it as people have the concern. But for the very good farmer, yes, it can have a knock on our right, and that's just something to put out there. The bending for people who are not in derogation, you might have a person who has a fragmented farm, um, they had only a certain size grazing block and they have very good cows on that grazing block but they've had a lot of land to dilute it and stay out of derogation in previous years they might find that the bending pushes them over so for those people who are not in um, regular contact with their consultant about where they're at in nitrates let's say maybe just be wary of that and that's the person with the higher yielding cows because they may go from bend they might go from currently 92 kilos nitrogen per head in 2022 up to 106 and 23 so i suppose look i can't cover it fully today it's just a touch of the iceberg just get people aware of it uh for the people that are under 170 then and who won't be going into derogation another requirement that's there is that if they want to buy compound fertilizer or import slurry in 2023 we are advising from taggers that people get soil samples taken they need to have one soil sample taken every five hectares which is equivalent to 12 and a half acres um, max to that area within four years so like if you don't have soil samples taken in the last three years i would be saying and suggesting to people that they go take soil samples again over this winter period into january because those soil samples will be there next year to enable people to get in compound um, if they have soil samples as i say it's not a concern provided there's an allowance and that they're aware of whether the soil samples didn't allow for phosphorus to be bought in or not other things that are coming in next year for people under 170, so anyone that's over 150 kilos of nitrogen, previously it was only people going into derogation category had to put out slurry by low emission. The coming year, anyone that's over 150 kilos of nitrogen per hectare is required to put out slurry by low emissions. That's also going to apply to tillage farmers and it's going to apply to people importing pink slurry. So it's just another thing. It's more and more going down the route. It's all um, 
about maximising the efficiency of nitrogen, reducing the amount of uh, emissions being lost. But it is something that people need to be very conscious of going into 23 because it will have implications for certain people. I suppose the other things that are there, then on it, um, there's green cover changes in, in tillage ground. Any farmers that are over 130 kilos of nitrogen are limited to 15% protein in the ration for 2023. Where you have PC ground, you need to have an organic soil test done, an organic matter test done on the soil samples. And I suppose finally the big one that's there that people need to be conscious of, we need to be compliant on all this stuff because the big fear is the danger, and it's not written into regulation i will stipulate but the thing is it is a fear and that is that we would be brought back to 220 in a nitrogen limit per hectare for derogation farmers in 2023 because that will that will affect a lot of my clients i can vote for and potentially a lot of others um, dairy farmers who are doing a very efficient job but it's just look water quality is the big one there on that and maintaining or improving water quality quality is going to be a priority for us in order to hold on to the current 250 that we have. Speaking to Mr Edmund Moakley, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagask Advisory, Sandfields, Mallow in County Cork. Edmund, we could just have a brief overview of uh, some hardy annuals. I mean, looking at the 2022 financial review, farm safety always there, concentrate, don't lose concentration even for a second. And then, of course, preparing for your 2022 fertiliser accounts and the 23 derogation application. We might take the first one first. 2022 financial review of the year we're coming out of. Yes, I suppose uh, 2022 should be remembered for the inflation we saw both on money delivered in and costs for what was bought in. Um, Realistically, it's been a good year in spite of some of the negative stuff that's been in the media about the environment and everything and probably has overshadowed it to a large degree. But I suppose just to remind farmers, let's say, and your farmer listeners, that when things are good, it's just always important to just take stock of what the costs are. And I suppose what we try to do in Tagus, we try to encourage people to do the profit monitor. And people will be worrying about bending. Um, They'll be worrying about the amount of milk they can sell. They'll be worrying about the amount of cows they can carry. But like I suppose as an advisor, my priority is that what the farmer brings in, that they have a good income off of it and that it's sustainable. And I suppose the main tool that we have in Tagus all the time for that is the profit monitor. And maybe that some people will come back to it. It's, uh, generally, people don't like doing it when it's a good year. But it is a tool that's there and it does um, exploit, I suppose, the costs that are there as well, which every farmer, farmers get in um, bills that if the average person saw them, it wouldn't make for the nicest of reading, let's say, but they take them in their stride because generally there's a big income there to cover them. But you, you have to take a stage in the year two where you have to sit back and take stock of what the expenditure is versus the income and the profit manager is a tool we use for that. So I would be encouraging people that who know what it is and who are aware of it and people who may be concerned about their family farm income, let's say, to make contact with their advisor, just come back to us and talk about doing it because it is a great tool. There's brilliant information on it. The only way you can talk about the information that actually comes out of it is having one done for your own farm because it's great to read what read um, headlines that papers love to sell and that might come out in the media, but the important one is how does it impact on your individual farm? And the only way you'll be able to do that is by having a profit manager done. Farm safety, one or two salient features. Of course, the obvious thing is farm safety. Never lose your concentration and outstanding points which could help people avoid injury or fatality. 
farmer is a vital cog in every farm enterprise and it's just to keep people conscious of it. Uh, ice at the moment is lethal around yards and things. I've come across two cases already of people who have had falls they weren't expecting and I suppose what did they say I was lucky but there also someone can be lo- unlucky for being lucky as well and the thing is just to be conscious of it um, having plenty of lights around the yard using this period let's say to get prepared for calving we all know about the busy spring period especially in um in daring let's say but in with sucklers as well anyone in dry stock who will be calving there from february march on january february march on um tillage farmers will be getting busy for planting in the spring and things so just using the opportunity you now to make the place the farm the farm yard a safer environment uh keeping it tidy fixing lights things like that and I suppose look some people play it down and they put it as a requirement for certain things but the risk assessment document that goes around there from the HSA it's no harm to every once in a while just sit down and look through it because it does make people think about things and those close shaves that you have it might be time to take action on if an opportunity is there to do it Certainly never forget the safety and with the icy weather, the cold weather, be extra, extra careful. Every step be a measured step. Preparing for the 2022 fertiliser accounts and the 23 derogation application to wrap up our conversation. Thank you very much, Edmund, for all that information. But looking at the fertiliser accounts for this year and next year's derogation application... Uh, John, I just want to spin there as well also. Uh, we're going into the 2023 again. So for any of, our, of your derogation listeners, let's say that the time of the year has come again for fertiliser accounts. In 2023, we're going into a new era where it will be all done on a register online. Note it's being delayed is what I'm hearing at the moment. I can't give you the definite details of when it will be up and running, but it will be a very formal process from 2023 this year. Currently, farmers bring in their accounts and I suppose in the Tagus offices, um, we will be looking for these accounts immediately from 2023 so maybe just when people are talking to their merchants they might be finalizing bills and things in the end of year get your 2022 fertilizer usage um in order let's say be able to tell us the carryovers and if there's any requirements there outstanding for 2023 soil samples being an example or maybe pinning down land people maybe looking at racing and things just to try and get them ready there over the next couple of weeks because we will be looking for them in early january um there's a huge workload on it it's a very stressful time and a very busy time. And the thing is that most farmers don't realise, let's say, when things go wrong, but the repercussions of it can be fairly substantial, let's say, in terms of um, cuts to single farm payment and all, if the requirements aren't met, not to mind the risk of inspections and other things that concerns of farmers will have. So that's just finally say, if you get a chance, get your stuff together, have it ready and get it into your local office as soon as possible because we will be accepting them from early January here in the Mallow office for one and I'm sure the other offices will be doing the same. Thank you very much indeed, Edmund. Mr Edmund Moakley, B&T Dairy Advisor, Chagas Advisory, Sandfield, Mallow and County Cork. Thank you very much indeed, Edmund. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. The IFA National Farm Business Chair, Ms Rosemary McDonough, joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. First of all, Rosemary, welcome to the programme. Now, as regards the RZLT, what exactly is the problem here? What do the letters stand for, RZLT? RZLT stands for Residential Zone Land Tax. So this is a new tax that came in in the budget of um, we say September, October 21. And it is a, a penal tax, we are saying. It's 3% of market value of the land that's zoned. So what we're finding at the moment, there has been great talk about this since that budget time, 
but the maps, they've been published since the 1st of November in the county councils. So it seems the council councils are doing the zoning and really our message with we have two, twofold. One is to farmers that they need to check those maps. They need to check the county development plan in the towns, villages and cities to and see if their lands are in scope for this tax. And then there is an opportunity between that 1st of November deadline and this 1st of January to make an application to the council to either get your lands removed from the zoning or get the zoning changed to a different status. Now, what we're finding on the ground is that it's only now some farmers are beginning to realise or figure out that they are caught up in this or in scope for this tax. And there are many, many more, I'm sure, out there that have no idea in the world that they're going to be um, in scope for this tax. So to the government, we have been campaigning and um, driving it as hard as we can. I mean, in, for the last year and definitely in the last two months since November, and even if back in September from the time of the budget, we have been pushing that we want farmed land exempt from this tax because the previous tax to this was one called a vacant site levy. And there is a precedent set there where the, there was an exemption for farmed land. So we want that to continue now in this tax. Now, the other point we're lobbying for at this stage is that that date of the 1st of January needs to be pushed out. There needs to be an extension. For farmers who want to continue farming, who do not want to um, pay this tax, they need to get themselves removed from this zoning. So they have to either get their lands excluded, removed from the inclusion, or they have to try and get the status of the zoning changed. Um, and that would be the best basic bit of news or information we could get out there to them to get them removed from the zoning. You know, we had a webinar there last week on IFA. It's been recorded. It's put up on the system on the, the IFA website so people can access that for information. We had um, legal advice and we had a planner on there as well. And the IFA website, that is the Irish Farmers Association so it would be www.ifa.ie. And once you get into it, you'll be able to find the different sectors there and you'll find the webinar and you can listen to it. There will be legal advice. There's planning advice. There's a lot of questions that were asked on the night. We had over two hours of work on the night. There's a load of questions. They're all recorded. They're all up there. There's different scenarios of questions that people ask. And that would be a good help to people as well. To farmers who want to work on getting their land, you know, we say, excluded from this tax. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Rosemary McDonough, IFA Farm Business Chair. And that's the Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor, thanks to Barry O'Mahony, 96.3 FM News Editor, Murray Tuig, 96.3 FM News Reporter and creator of the Farm Talk podcast, Laura Woods, Carberry Mucker Report, and to the list of tuning in, all who've contributed to the Farm Talk program this week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.